everybody, and welcome to another episode of Word on the Street. For those of you who are new to our podcast, this space is hosted by the Office for Multicultural Learning to discuss contemporary social issues and other trending topics. My name is Gabby Lochetz, and I'm one of the student assistants for the Office for Multicultural Learning. And today I'm joined by my co-host and fellow student assistant, Jackie Barra. So today in celebration of Black History Month, we wanted to take some time to answer these questions around what defines blackness. And today we're joined by several black identifying student leaders on campus. Uh, and we're very excited to have this conversation and to kind of get to know everyone's thoughts. So as I said, my name is Gabby. My pronouns are she, her, hers. And I'm a senior studying economics and international business. And I am half Ethiopian and half American, white American. Um, so Jackie, if you'd like to start with your intro. Yeah, sure. Hi everyone, my name is Jackie. I use she, her, hers pronouns. I'm also a fourth year studying marketing and business analytics. Um, I am actually here representing obviously the Office for Multicultural Learning but I'm also the co-president for the Latinx Business Student Association. And, you know, just to give background, I am Latinx. I am not Black identifying. So I, I won't be, you know, talking during this podcast just to make sure that we don't decenter what this conversation is about. But yeah, so happy to be here. Okay, um, my name is Rebecca. Um, my pronouns are she, her, hers. I am currently a law student, Juan L. Um, at SCU School of Law. So I don't have a major or minor anymore, <laughs> but in college I did communications and women's studies and I minored in political science. Um, I'm here on behalf of the Black Law Student Association. So very excited. Um, and I am Afro-Latina by way of Jamaica. Hi everyone, uh, my name is Leah Mesfin. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. I am a second year law student at Santa Clara, so I also do not have a major, but I did major in international relations in undergrad. Um, I'm the co-president of the Black Law Student Association and I am an Ethiopian American. Hi everyone, um, my name is Ifani Thodaba. My pronouns are he, his, his. He is him. Um, I'm a junior at Santa Clara Finance, major with minors in real estate and ethnic studies and my associated organizations. I'm um, president of the Levy Black Business Association. Um, I'm junior senator for ASG and I serve as a member of ISAC. And um, I am Nigerian, identifying as Nigerian American. Fantastic, awesome. I'm very happy to be here, guys. My name is Darius Johnson. Pronouns are he, him, his. Uh, I'm a sophomore here at Santa Clara, uh, studying finance and business analytics, um, and affiliated with the Lead Black Business Association as well. I'm a board for that. Um, also serve as president of our TEDx arm here, so TEDx Santa Clara University. Um, and I'm a board for the Silicon Center for Entrepreneurship and Innovation. Also a founder and chair of the Bronco Investment Fund here on campus. Um, and I am, um, by way of um, ethnicity, I am Jamaican American. 
Awesome, thank you all for sharing your intros. So glad to have such a diverse group of people here with us today. Um, so starting off, I just wanna ask you all, what is your relationship with the term black? What is your connection to it? Have you always felt connected to it? And if anyone wants to jump in, that'd be great. Yeah, I can definitely um, kick, kick this uh, question off. Really, uh, with, with the term black, um, for me, it's more so how I, I identify myself and, you know, how I go out through life. Um, as I mentioned earlier, being Jamaican American, said it's more so my background, heritage, and my culture. But for me, you know, that, that term black more so is how I am portrayed in America, how my people are, are portrayed in America. Um, and really what it, what it says for me is it just means a lot more than just race. It's, it's a lot about um, kind of the culture here in America. So black Americans in America, um, it's more so um, about kind of people coming together, you know, under one term and kind of, you know, <clears throat> navigating what really is a place that really wasn't built for us. Um, so I really think that that term black for me just identifies us as people, our culture here in America, really us as a group, really, you know, fighting for for that term and fighting for us and fighting for what it means in America, um, you know, given, you know, all that's been going on. I'd say my personal connection with the word black is that just because this is how I identify as being both African and African-American. Um, my parents were not born here, but I was. Um, so in a lot of ways, my experience like resonates more with being African-American. And then in other ways, it definitely resonates more with being Ethiopian. Um, and I think that that's just what it is to grow up in a household where in this house our values are very much like Ethiopian values but when you go out into the world um the way that this country sees you is that like if you are black you are black um and I think that I've always in been encouraged by my parents to identify as black just because it, it obviously like we know that it doesn't mean just one thing I think um something that's integral to Ethiopian culture is Pan-Africanism. And uh, most of the music that we listen to, most of our, um, you know, the stars that we put up on a pedestal all speak of being black as, you know, like as just such a beautiful thing. I, I, and, I, and, it, and it's been, um, I would say, interpreted or defined in a lot of different ways. So for me, I obviously know that, you know, there are black people who do not originate from, well, or do originate from the African continent. However, you know, by way of slave trade ended up in a lot of different parts of this world. So my personal connection is with um, feeling as if African-American and Ethiopian culture is flowing through me. And that's what I see as black as for myself. But I know that um, it is defined in so many other ways for other kinds of black people. Leah, I'm a child of immigrants as well. So um, I think that like my experience and my connection with the word black or like defining uh, myself through the word black has been very fluid. Um, like for most of my life, like, you know, we generally understand that like our skin color might be different than um, our friends, but like 
the experience that my parents had being immigrants coming to America and then living on an island that was predominantly Black is so different in terms of like how they see themselves in the society and the people around them. Um, so it's really interesting. I do feel sometimes like I have one foot in like each world, you know, being born in America and like um, interacting with other people that don't have the same understanding of race that I do and that my family does, but then coming back home and like being around only black people and speaking Patois and like all of this stuff. So um, I think for like first generation kids speaking um, for myself, it's it's a very interesting experience um, because your, your relationship to the word black kind of changes and it um, morphs into something else as you get older, as you understand the cultural differences. And even within the black community, you know, we know that like the black experience is not monolithic, um, but the word black in a way is still like this monolithic, like definer of who we are. So I'm still trying to figure out my <laughs> connection to the word black to this day. Yeah, uh, for me, I definitely resonate with um, immigrant parents. Uh, my family and I immigrated to the United States when I was two. And for me, I like, we lived in a Nigerian bubble, I like to say, but like when you look at the color of my skin or when I'm with other people who look black, like I'm black and that's what defined it for me. You know, I like struggled with identifying from Nigerian or Nigerian American because I was like, as you guys put it between two worlds of like, I knew my culture that I could speak the language of Igbo and everything, but like, I wasn't really like exposed to it. Like I'm not there day to day, you know, like I'm here United States and that comes with its own like racial like guidance and stigmatization you know like when I'm walking down the street they're like oh that's a Nigerian man they're like oh no he's just black you know which is not there's nothing against uh, oh there's nothing against um that or anything but it's definitely something that like I struggled with identifying with and because my parents they'd obviously identify more with being Nigerian because they're raised and born there but I'm like hey like I grew up surrounded listening to like black music listening to American black music and being more in like the American setting so for me like being black is like when someone sees me what's the first thing that they see and that's usually the color of my skin or like my curls and my hair or, like the way I do things which is black Definitely. Um, so a way that I would approach and answer this question is, you know, on, on the same thing, being, you know, son of, of immigrants from Jamaica and being first generation, um, it was it was tough. Actually, I would say I don't think I had the opportunity to grow up in a bubble that was around my culture because um, my mom came writing um, and worked in the corporate space right away. So she was actually able to pick up a lot of different things that was happening. And I would say kind of you know, a more, uh, more a white centric environment. And so back home, we kind of, you know, didn't really grow up with a lot of things that reminded me of Jamaica at all or, or, or of my culture at all. So growing up, it was really a lot more of the American black culture that, you know, I had that connection with. And, you know, that, that term black within itself is very difficult to define that term, but I'd also go off the same notion of you know, when I guess the way I feel when I'm walking around and how other people may perceive that black, it definitely is about features, more so about, you know, actually something that's intrinsic. Um, but I don't view it that way. I view it as something that, that is intrinsic and it's kind of intrinsic to every black American. Um, and it's important 
um, you know, for us to always remember that is, you know, everyone has a different definition of what black is, but at the same time, I think if you are black, you have that intrinsic feeling of this is my identity opposed to, this is just features that someone else is doing on me. So, um, you know, definitely kind of grew up as a black American and not really having that culture behind me. Um, so I had to, you know, grow up in this culture relatively quickly and have that connection to black pretty early on. Yeah, you know, it's it's so interesting how we're kind of all saying, you know, it, it is an identifier um, externally, but also internally as well. Like it's it's used to connect and to bring us all together, even though like all of us totally have different cultural experiences. Like, and I just speaking on my behalf, um, I also wasn't really able to be in kind of a bubble of other black people. I was raised in an extremely white neighborhood and my mom is an immigrant, but my father isn't, he's white. So he was very easily accustomed to the culture around us. And I think my mother as well was more focused on becoming acclimated to the culture and kind of making sure our family fit in with the other families we were around. And it wasn't until later in my life when I did move abroad and I was able to go back to Ethiopia where I kind of realized that I have I do have connections to my culture. I, it doesn't have to be, um, you know, it doesn't have to be completely surrounding me at all times. It's within me. And I kind of needed to see more people um, that were kind of in the same situation for me to understand that. And I think we kind of touched on this already a bit, um, but I wanted to ask you all if the terms Black and African-American are interchangeable for you. Just personally, for me, I remember being a little kid and hearing, you know, we would study African-American history and just knowing, oh, this isn't, this isn't all the history. This definitely doesn't cover everything. But to a lot of people, that's what I am. They see me and they identify me as African-American and hey, you know, my mother is from Africa, my father is from America, maybe that just works out like that. And I think um, it's interesting why the term is around and whether or not it is interchangeable as just black. Do you think it does the same thing? So, sorry, Leah, go oh ahead. <laughs> Okay, um, so I the first thing that I thought of when you were talking about um, interchanging the labels Black and African American, I immediately thought about the fact that like, I think that Black people would define themselves more, um, I guess, sporadically, like differently, had we been better educated when we were younger about um, like the origins of Black people and that African-American history or like a, studying a specific block of history while it's important is not like that doesn't cover even an ounce of like everything that there is to um, being black like black people's history didn't start when we were colonized when we were taken from Africa and brought here um, we had been you know artists and educators and scientists and like all of this other stuff that um, encompasses a functional and like you know thriving society and I had to, I don't know about you guys, but for the most part, I had to like educate myself on all of that stuff on my own time. <laughs> um, and I, now I like go out of my way to get this type of education and information from other black people, because I noticed that even though like in the past couple of years, we've seen this like shift towards 
um, adopting more progressive and like inclusive language, a lot of non-Black people still think that using African-American and Black are like the same, they're identical. And um, I don't, I, I don't know, I guess it doesn't really do it for me because I don't really have a connection to Africa, even in the way that I would like to. And I don't think that a DNA test is gonna solve that for me. So I don't really see myself as African-American. Um, black is kind of more the umbrella term. And then you go into specifics like, you know, um, Caribbean American or Afro-Latina or uh, Jamaican American, you know, stuff like that. So I think that um, my definition of myself has been more fluid as I come to understand all the nuances of like blackness and, you know, the transatlantic slave trade and all that stuff. Um, so I don't think that they're interchangeable, but that is my experience. So that might be different for others. <laughs> yeah, I and to add to that, I, I personally, I agree with you, Rebecca. I do not think that the terms are interchangeable. And I think it's, um, to your point about history, I think, you know, my parents were very careful to teach me that um, that there is a difference. Uh, like they came here at the you know end mid to late '80s, so there was a lot that they were not here for, and their entire generation were not here for. Like there was a war in Ethiopia, and that's the only reason why they ended up in this country. But you know, for being real, it even goes all the way back to um, like colonization in this country. They just that did not, um, although like there was a different kind of slavery in Ethiopia at the time, they just didn't materialize into um, being a part of our history um, and the history of our people as we know it in the United States. So I think being very careful to, um, the way that I differentiate it is just that, you know, slave history, the way that it is taught to us in the United States is not Ethiopian history. and something where I have seen that this becomes an issue is, you know, over the summer, obviously with the events that transpired with, um, be, well, not to us, not beginning with the murder of George Floyd, but however, to the rest of the country, for some reason it began with him. Um, you know, this is the first time in my life that I saw Ethiopian people marching with the Black Lives Matter movement or just marching in general. And to be fair, you know, like they weren't actually here for the civil rights movement, but I think in terms of history, that's where I would, that's to me why the term is not interchangeable because I think that some of the struggles of like black Americans and then black people who have immigrated to this country at different points in this country's history, um, we have to be very careful to understand that that's a very distinct experience in this country. And um, it's just not something that we get to speak on I would say from a first-hand experience I mean like obviously we're here and you know we the umbrella term I think African-American is imposed upon us um, without understanding that like actually you know there are certain um, points of our history that like you know like there's a point where things go in different directions and I think uh, for me I've always just been um, you know really cognizant of that because I think that it I think that it impacts um I, I just I think that people a lot of people have a lot of opinions about 
um, the African-American experience in this country and the things that um, have happened and the way that the African-American community has responded to those issues. And I think we all should be cognizant of like, you know, if slave history is not your history, this is maybe something you shouldn't speak on. If um, the relationship that you have with white people is informed by the fact that slave his history is not your history, you know, again, this is something that you shouldn't speak on. This term is not interchangeable because it, it, um, I just think it implicates a totally different history and experience in this country. So that's a long-winded way of me saying, no, I do not think that the terms are interchangeable. Yeah, I would uh, agree as well. Um, I actually think, you know, is that umbrella term and under it, you have a lot of these different identities and things that, you know, people um, based on ethnic background um, go with. And, you know, I would touch on the point that African-American to me is more so, it's very difficult um, to really say or kind of even understand what that even means because the only version of African-American I have is being labeled as it, not so much having the history of it. So for me, it's, it's, it's very hard to, you know, identify with that kind of culture when I don't know that culture. Um, so, you know, and then in the terms of black and African being the same thing, um, personally, I don't think that that they are. Um, um, I think one is more so of the American culture, and then another one is of a culture that's outside of America. And and um, I and I think just missing a lot of that and not understanding that division between African between African America opposed to just America is it's it's very hard to just even begin to say I identify with this um, as there is no connection to that. And then finally, I, I would also say that I think the term black to me is more so of a of a inclusive term that almost embodies where you're where you're from, what your background is. Um, so I just think that, you know, it's important um, for me to understand um, that I don't really know um, one, one over the other. And I think it's important if I, you know, am gonna identify something that I am able to learn that culture and that history and that background. I definitely have to agree with all of you that the education that we've received plays a big role into what terms are used and what terms are commonplace. Um, and I think we've seen that like terminology can function however it's intended to be used. And as we were discussing the effect of the term black is like to connect us all, right? Like to be all encompassing and to, um, to describe an experience that like connects all black people. Um, the next question I have is, is that, is it important to define blackness? Which I guess, you know, that's kind of the definition that we've landed on in this conversation is that it is, inclusive and it's all encompassing of people who look like this and have this type of experience. Um, as you said, it's like a cultural identifier, but externally can be like a visual identifier. 
Um, but I think the question of whether or not it's important to define it, I guess lies like it's an internal question. Like, is that enough of a definition, I suppose, to be all encompassing and to, um, yeah, to connect people? Is that like, do you guys agree? Yeah, okay, I see some nods on here. <laughs> um, all right, I think we, we kind of touched on that question. So I'll move on to the next one. Um, so what I wanted to ask you all is if you have heard the term black card being used, uh, usually in the context of someone revoking your black card, um, or like, you know, cultural identifiers like, oh, you're not black if you don't so-and-so. Um, I wanted to ask you all, like, this is, you know, something done by black people. What is like the message behind that really? What do you read into a situation like that? Yeah, I can definitely tap into this one. Um, I feel like they try, like with the term black card, they try to rope in every black experience in the world into like one thing like what's like oh you don't like like it usually stems around racial stereotypes so like 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 oh you don't like fried chicken like what are you doing you're not black or oh you don't you don't do this oh my god how do you not do this you're not black and it's like i feel like it's an attack on blackness itself because a lot of times like like these things are associated to like harmful or negative stereotypes or just assume that every black person like wears jays or likes to play basketball trying to fit like black people into boxes you know and i feel like this also reaps into like let's say you like you like speak well if whatever that means like oh you talk with a white person you know like jabs that try to like take away at your blackness or like try to like put you down in terms of your racial identity like it's like kind of like oh you have a place here like what are you doing talking like this or trying to do this you know and <clears throat> i feel like it's very harmful and I definitely found it problematic when I think it was Joe Biden said that if you don't vote for me, like you ain't black or something like that. Uh, it was like something like that, something like really weird to say. And it's weird how like, like I never heard like, oh, you're not white if you don't do this, you know, and how that's only used for like black people and stuff. And just to add to that, I think it's, it's like a form of gatekeeping on our culture, like who, um, you know, like if you, whatever it means to perform blackness is, you know, the things that you do to not get your black card revoked. And I think it, it yeah, I think that it's harmful. I just, I think that it, it's like, I don't know, it, on the one hand, we say that we aren't a monolith. However, we do things like this where, um, it just it seems like there is this requirement that you perform blackness in a certain way but you also don't you also at the same time want the word black to be this umbrella term but it doesn't um, actually allow for everyone under the umbrella to you know perform whatever it means to perform your blackness in various different ways i know i think the first time i heard this was maybe in middle school I want to say middle school, um, our mom would come pick us up from school and like, just like, she doesn't speak to us in English. Like, that's just 
because her first language is Amharic. And um, I don't know how many students at my school particular. Yeah, I just, I don't know how many students at my school were exposed to like black people that speak other languages other than, um, well, just like, like other languages or who adhere to different religions. And then I think that um, people were just like, why, you know, like, why is she, what language is that? Why is she speaking to you in that language? Or why do you guys wear what you wear when you go to church? And like, this is just like not a black people thing. And I'm just like, mm, well, there are like millions of black people on a different continent who um, pray to different gods, speak different languages, eat different kinds of foods. And I think that I think it just goes back to Rebecca's point earlier about education. I don't think that, I mean, even in the year 2021, it's like political whether or not uh, we have like an, uh, like black history or African history or whatever, all of those kinds of classes are electives and any kind of, you know, school board policy that would try to make it mandatory is something that is so political. So I think it just really goes back to education. I think that we've been taught from a young age that uh, this word black or this term blackness or, you know, it, it, it's supposed to mean, it's, it's supposed to mean this distinct thing, but like none of us can figure it out. And I think it's just a lack of education. I think Leah nailed it when she said gatekeeping, because that is so true. I was thinking the same thing. Um, so I've never had, or I've never used um, the whole black card, like revoking the black card thing, but I have had it used on me. And um, in my personal experience, I'll say, I think that it's about equivalent to being called an Oreo. Um, it's like, it's like a, it seems like a small jab, but like it actually, because at least for me, it made me like kind of question a lot of aspects of my identity when you hear it over and over again people saying oh I'm taking your black card away because you haven't seen the movie Friday I still haven't seen it um stuff like that <laughs> you know like it's um but it's interesting like being part of a group and it's not a group that you can really leave because you know we we wear our blackness but then like having like aspects of your quote-unquote membership being brought into question or like um you're not performing the blackness enough so obviously there's something wrong or like you know you're not doing it correctly you're not wearing it right um and I think that the last question that Gabby um gave us the prompt about is it important to define blackness that definitely correlates to you know the whole black card term because it, I mean it's inherently like asking you to define whether or not you think you're black enough or if you have blackness. So they're definitely like one in the same. Um, defining blackness is important, but it's the reason why it's like different from being uh, black hearted is that it's the person who's doing the defining for themselves rather than someone else saying like, you know, you're not doing this right. So obviously, you know, I have to take your black card or something like that, so. And I can um, just add more of a, um, a um, story about this. So, you know, this actually was very, very prevalent where I grew up in a, in a school that was very diverse, had a, a, a lot of white people, black people. Um, so actually I played sports throughout my entire life. And then um, going into my 
junior year, I ended up breaking my leg and had to kind of pivot in, in a switch what I was doing throughout my life. Um, and like during this time, I spent a lot learning a lot more about the business world. And then I got this internship and I had the um, chance to actually um, sell apartments and sell homes and you know, work in the real estate business at a very, very young age. And where this ties in is previously, when I was playing sports, football, um, I was surrounded by a lot of black people and a lot of my friends um, that I grew up with playing the sport, playing my whole life. And I was, I guess you would say, in that culture. And then once I kind of hurt and broke out of it and kind of moved on to, I would say, more of a unique thing to do during high school that wasn't, you know, typical. And I started talking different because um, I was like working with clients. I, uh, I started to like view the world differently. Um, I kind of started to drift away and kind of build new relationships. Um, it was, okay, now the black heart is taken away from you because you're no longer with us in the field, you're no longer in this kind of group that we have. Um, you're kind of moved on to more of a white type of, you know, culture or, or kind of like type of role. Um, so that was like my personal experience with it and kind of just a story. And, you know, I think it's very, very prevalent. And I would say that I was a person actually, um, you know, in the early years of high school who used to say that to, to uh, people. It's like, like all the time actually. And like be around that culture and then be in that. And that's because, you know, it was, I was uneducated. I didn't, I didn't know. Um, and then seeing it done to me on the other side and kind of getting out of that bubble, I started to see like, wow, like, what are we doing to each other? Uh, this is more so of like, like, why are we making someone feel this way um, for, you know, for a thing that they're doing that isn't accustomed to maybe what we see most of the people that look like us doing. Um, so, you know, just like learning that and going through that um, kind of people like, like change um, throughout my life kind of helped me see um, and, you know, become a little more knowledgeable around this whole entire issue of the black card, you know, being a um, Oreo and kind of things like that are like, you're not black if you don't do this. Um, so, or like you're white because you do that or like you talk white kind of thing. Um, it's kind of like having a domestic, you kind of helped me realize really what we were doing to each other. Um, that's just a story that kind of helped me conceptualize this whole entire question. Wow, yeah, thank you all for sharing all of your experiences and your stories. I think that, um, you know, Leah, I really liked your point about there being so many types of black. I think that, you know, it's kind of impossible for any one person to assume that they understand everything that blackness means to every black person, you know? Um, yeah, so I think it's, it's important, as we said, um, so, you know, you can define that for yourself. It's about the individual and your blackness is defined by you at the end of the day. Nobody else can tell you about your blackness. Um, so just speaking on our kind of, our role in our community, I wanted to ask you all um, if going to Santa Clara University, which is a predominantly white institution, if that has impacted how you define blackness or how you identify um, as a black person. So I don't think that it's changed my understanding or my own personal definition of my blackness, but um, <clears throat> I think that it's definitely made me like uh, more aware of who isn't <laughs> black in my class. Um, I think that there are only three or four of us um, and I, like the first thing that I did was I counted how many black people were in 
um, the incoming one on class because that's just something that um, I don't know about you guys, but like whenever I'm walking into a room or I'm joining like a new club or starting school or college or whatever, the first thing that I do is look, scan the crowd or like look for other um, faces, brown and black faces, because that's important to me um, for like so many different reasons. And um, I think that like having, being able to find someone where even their, even though like their life and their experiences might be totally different from us, being able to like, I think identify with someone else on just that one like basic thing really matters. Like it makes a difference. Um, and yeah, so coming to Santa Clara, but in the age of Zoom, I haven't actually stepped foot on the campus um, is I think very like a unique experience. And um, in terms of like connecting with other classmates and like, you know, exploring the dynamics, uh, both racial and otherwise, it's interesting because I've had to meet all my classmates on um, Zoom. And, you know, there's, there's like a lot of, uh, I guess, social dynamics that don't play out the same way, but especially in terms of like race. But, um, you know, I think that that's gonna look a lot different after the pandemic is over. Um. I'd say, so I went to American University undergrad in DC, which is also a, a PWI, but they're doing a little better in numbers than Santa Clara, which um, I don't really think that's a, you know, difficult uh, <laughs> thing to accomplish because there are so few of us. And honestly, like I hadn't visited Santa Clara. I. I mean, like you just get any kind of tuition scholarship, at least for grad school, because it's so expensive. And then you go and you don't ask questions. And that's what I did. And so I, um, I just, I mean, like I had been to a PWI for undergrad, so I just didn't think it was, I didn't think it could be a lot worse. So I think, I didn't think I was going to be surprised when I got on campus, but I think that, um, with undergrad, there was enough of us to where uh, I think the experiences in the classroom and the experiences in my extracurricular activities didn't weigh down on me so much because I had um, what I thought was like a sufficient pool of my uh, Black friends that I could just like, that is my outlet for like actually being myself. And when I'm you know, like I was studying international relations and I was on the dance team and in this uh, professional sorority. So most of my daily interactions were with uh, a lot of very privileged white students. And it, it was taxing in a way. However, like, again, like I just had, uh, you know, my personal voluntary like relationships with people um, were with people that looked like me. And so I, I, I did feel like I, there was balance there. Uh, however, Santa Clara is a totally different experience. Um, there were seven of us in my incoming 1L class and we started obviously before the pandemic. So um, I actually did spend time on campus before we were sent home. I was the only black student in my section um, of 74 people. And it is just, I mean, you do everything with your section, your 1L year. So. I, I just, I thought that 
it was a different kind of PWI experience. Um, it is also the kind of experience where there, I didn't realize how like racially illiterate uh, the majority of the room was. So most of the time when we were talking about really controversial cases that implicate uh, race and then, you know, the intersection of a, a whole bunch of different identities, but um, race is like, it is, it's, it's very much a huge uh, part of the conversation in law school. Um, I had to carry a lot of those conversations. And I think that this law school experience is emotionally, mentally, it's draining in a lot of ways, but I think in that way it is draining because um, feeling like, I mean, like, I'm sure you guys have heard of like the cold call system, but I think feeling like I had to carry certain conversations, one, because I was maybe the only person that was, uh, had the experiences in order to carry that conversation with the professor, like specific questions that they're asking about, um, okay, like what is the political history behind these specific cases and what did it mean uh, for the time? Like who was president? What did, what was going on? Who was the attorney general? What are, you know, like I, those were things that I felt like I, I, I just, I think that the burden fell on me a lot of the time. And I think that I felt like it was unfair because I am also a student and I'm also learning the law for the first time, just like all of the other students in this classroom. However, because I am black, uh, I have a little bit more of a responsibility to be competent in a um, specific, I don't, I don't want to say area of the law, but um, yeah, just, I would say the political history, just in general, I think that burden falls on black people just generally, like look at um, the entire movement over the summer. If you think about it, like the, it's just like the burden falls on us to be the moral compass all of the time. And I think, that is what I think is distinct to the PWI experience as a black person, as a black woman. Um, I still, I think that that still lingers even like today in my 2L year, like the Black Law Student Association at Santa Clara is like carrying all of the conversation that the law school is having in this moment about the intersection of race and the law. And it's um, tiring, I would say. And I've noticed that like a lot of um, white people and sometimes non-black people will not only consult us as a moral compass, but then use us as like this free encyclopedia slash resource where they can just ask questions. Um, like, like we're like a sounding board where they can just like voice all of their racially illiterate questions that are semi-offensive and then we can take time out of our day to answer them, tell them why it's wrong, coddle them, maybe like give them a kiss on the forehead. And you know what I mean? It's like, it's exhausting and it's tiring to do that in general, but it's especially the case when you're in an academic setting, like Leah just said, it's like, you know, I'm already like, my energy is at like 10% right now. <laughs> the last thing that I want to do is walk you through, you know, why black and African-American aren't the same thing or, you know, why it's wrong to use this term or whatever the case is. Um, that happens like all the time. Um, and it reminds me of being in like middle school and in college where, again, you know, we're the only people of color in our class or the only black people in our class. And then the professor like asks us something about the black experience that we're just supposed to be able to like know on the drop of a hat because 
obviously why wouldn't we know because we're black so we're there to educate everyone else instead of ourselves and stuff like that is like I don't know I think that there's definitely like a line that needs to be drawn and you know kind of enforce our boundaries where that's concerned uh, because there's a right way to ask black people about their experience and then there's like a way where it's more exploitative than helpful so yeah and that's like always been the case at PWIs but um I'm noticing it a lot from white people who think that they're being helpful and I guess inclusive but I'm also not here to like you know give you your training wheels and how to be like not racist <laughs> so Yeah, I can jump in just quickly about the undergrad experience. Um, funny to hear there's a lot of parallels, um, but I mean, I guess the reason even coming to Santa Clara, um, you know, I think Leah mentioned this, but looked at the kind of the um, scholarship and, you know, at, at that point, really, you know, when you're first generation, you know, like if someone's giving you money in a substantial amount of money, you're going to go to school. Um, so that was one big thing. They didn't even look at the 2% number before I even came to Santa Clara. Um, so didn't know that coming in. Um, but also there were, of course, other things such as interests and, and things like that. Um, but, you know, being at this school, I think a lot of the same parallels exist, even in the undergrad experience, especially in the business school, um, where, you know, I think until maybe recently or like still not even now, there's not one black professor in the in the business school. Um, and then just beyond that, you know, look at 20, like that 2% now. Of like 5,000 kids, um, you know, that does it, it gives like maybe like 100 black kids that go to Santa Clara. And if you cut it down by each grade, there's like 25, like out of a thousand class, there's 25 students that, that are black, right? So it's just, um, I think what, what really, I guess, helps is having support systems that you can go to, such as the Black Student Union or, you know, the, we mentioned earlier, um, Black Business Club that we have. And, you know, there's, there's Nesby. So there's different outlets. Um, but again, I think it's, it's, it is the uh, same notion that you are kind of the, voice of what um, Black is on the campus. And anything that, that gets done, such as a Black excellence scholarship, really goes through or is enforced or really pushed by those students who are Black. Um, and, you know, it, it's just, and of course, like, I'm not going to sit here and say that SUs, like, should be a um, HBCU, but at the same time, I think there's a lot of things um, that need to be changed, especially when you're in such a privileged place, um, such as Silicon Valley. And, you know, there's a lot of people who don't understand are very ignorant to certain facts they just didn't grow up that way. Um, so, you know, you do have to spend time trying to explain and break things down to people. Um, it definitely is not um, the ideal way to um, spend time. So definitely a lot of parallels there um, and definitely more, I guess, that needs to be done that is always having to be pushed by, you know, Black students like always. Yeah, I Yeah, it is a lot of responsibility that we kind of pick up um, to be able to lead these conversations. But it is, as we said, because we kind of took that upon ourselves to be educated in a way that is inclusive. And we want to further that, you know, we want to include more people in this understanding that we have. Um, so I guess I have two questions that kind of go along these lines. Um, in terms of the education and the inclusivity that is or isn't present at these institutions that we're a part of, 
I wanted to ask you all if individual Black people even can be working against so-called Black interest. Is that, is that a possibility? Like, as we said, we set these standards for ourselves that we have to, you know, speak el like eloquently and educated on all of these cultural topics when we are, as I said, we're just coming in to learn a lot of this stuff the first time too. Um, do we really hold that responsibility or are we putting it on ourselves? Um, and then the other question um, is, is the forwarding or hampering of a pro-Black political agenda a question of your Blackness? In other words, like, do we have that responsibility? Should we have that responsibility? Or where does it come from? Well, I've actually just recently been thinking about this, so I'm gonna jump in, but from a different perspective. So, I mean, I, I can understand um, if there are people, especially like I think about this in politics all the time. Um, it's, and I, I've just been recently thinking about this because of um, Kamala Harris. And I think, I mean, she's obviously one of those people that um, embraces her like dual identity and is cognizant of the fact that there are cer certain spaces that she's moved through or moved into uh, that no other person that looks like her has ever moved into. So whether you like it or not, people will call you the first black or first South Asian woman to do whatever role. Um, I mean, I don't necessarily, I mean, I don't know. I'm like trying not to comment on this. Cause I, in, I don't, I don't necessarily think that I, I just don't want to comment on, um, I don't understand people's, uh, mindset when they want to distance themselves from their blackness when they move into public spaces or public office or you know elevate i uh because i think that maybe they understand that it comes with the responsibility of having some sort of pro-black political agenda however what i do criticize is you know like there are people like daniel cameron for example he is the attorney general of kentucky um who very um, intentionally did not seek out, you know, any kind of homicide charges for uh, the murder of Rihanna Taylor. Uh, and, you know, essentially he is the top prosecutor in the case and he definitely is an example of a person that distance, distances themselves from their blackness in order to elevate um, in their professional endeavors. And I don't know what his experience is in life. Like, I don't get it. Um, I know that there were a number of black politicians that spoke at the Republican National Convention um, who didn't necessarily distance themselves from their blackness. However, put an interesting spin to how they think that black people should be thinking of themselves in order to elevate in society. And I thought that it was like extremely manipulative um, and I think that it encourages non-Black people to see Black people in a certain way. Um, so I, I guess I would just say like me as a person who also wants to be a prosecutor, I, I want to be a DA, but for a very different kind of prosecutor. Um, I think it just comes with the responsibility of understanding that 
as you move into certain spaces that black people have never occupied before, you need to be cognizant of the impact that you're going to have on the black community for the, because of the way that the public and the media is going to shape um, how you occupy in those spaces, if that makes sense. And even if you didn't ask for that responsibility, even if you didn't ask for what you might think as a quote unquote target on your back, um, that is just like, that is the reality of the situation. And I, I just think it just comes with a responsibility of understanding that like, there is an expectation that you do no harm to the black communities or, you know, like any community that um, there, you know, is an intersection of a lot of different kinds of identities. I just, yeah, I just, I, I don't feel like I am seeing a lot of that today um, or, or I, maybe I should say that I don't know if I like the direction uh, that it's headed um, in terms of, um, I guess the, and again, I just, I don't want to, it's just so hard because I think about this a lot of time, like black people and our politics, why are we expected to be um, quote unquote better than other people? I, 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 my dad forces me to like watch um, conservative TV and radio because it's very important to understand what the counter arguments are to the way that you think. And uh, you know, like a lot of those networks are purposeful when they bring black people on their show, it, they're there to, um, they're there to kind of be this, uh, what do you, I don't know. I just, I just think that they bring them on just to show like this network is not racist. This network actually has supporters. Um, and they aren't all just white evangelical Christians, you know, that they're, they're there to be tokens. That is my personal opinion. And I think you have to be cognizant of that when you were going into, um, you know, spaces in the public and you are putting your blackness on display. You have, you just, you, yeah, that's, I'm going to stop there. No, thank you so much. Honestly, um, your insight is incredible to listen to. Uh, and you kind of touched on um, this last question, which, you know, talking about politics, it's, it's very hard to break apart, you know, what effects we intend to have and what happens without our intention being there anyways. Um, so the last question, which any of you can jump in and speak on, or you can speak on kind of what Leo was speaking on before, but I just wanted to prompt you all asking, is the idea of blackness political inherently, or is it not inherent? How is it political? Or should it be, you know? I think what I got from what Leo was saying is like, you know, people can manipulate and spin a message whether or not you are there stating the message for yourself. And in that, you know, in just purely occupying a space, it might not be a statement to us, but like you said, the example of Kamala Harris, like the fact is people are gonna say, this is the first time a woman like this has been in a space, in this space. Um, and should it be a political revelation? Maybe not. You know, we've been saying for eons that Black people deserve to be in all of these spaces, but 
does she have a political responsibility to stand up to certain expectations in this in this context? Leah's saying yes, absolutely. Yeah. I think Blackness is inherently political. Um, and I saw this really cool quote. I don't know who said it, I'm sorry, but um, it was something like being born Black in America is like a political act. Um, and I really agree with that. And that resonates with me a lot um, because I think that like white America already politicizes everything that black people do. We don't really have any space to be mediocre. Um, we have to be excellent and the best or, you know, there's like no, <clears throat> there's no other options for us. Um, and, and Leah, my parents make me do the same thing with the news. Like they, flip to Fox News and, <clears throat> sorry, I have a bit of a cold. Um, <coughs> so they flip to Fox News and then we watch it together for like 20 minutes until like one of us gets too pissed off and like has to change it back to MSNBC. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> and it's like a really, I thought that I was one of the only people who did that. So that's really funny that um, our parents both do that, but it brings to mind like a lot of uh, situations in life where like, um, you've been made to feel like you're an outcast and then the only way to like redeem yourself or be part of this in group is to like let yourself be tokenized um, like in academic institutions pretty much anywhere where you're the only black person and by extension the only black woman um, in a room so figures like Candace Owens and um, I'm not remembering his name but he's on Fox News intermittently but just people like that um they're really just there because they're black, not because they have anything to input about the black experience. So um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's like interesting seeing how they kind of, they let themselves be um, overly politicized in a way that's just like not relevant or helpful. Um, and they could really be replaced with like any other figurehead who chooses to reiterate um, whatever angle the the news company wants them to you know it's not like they're not like an expert in whatever field or anything like that um so yeah <laughs> I think that there's you know I think that we didn't ask to be politicized but um that's like how this country is in regards to race so there's really like no, I mean, we just kind of have to roll with it. You know what I mean? Like I'm always aware of like how I'm presenting myself, the tone of my voice, what I'm wearing, like what my posture is like um, when I'm in public or when I'm around like a majority non-Black people, because I know that it's going to be perceived differently. And do I use A-A-V-E? Like, do I use my affable voice? Like the voice that I use when I'm on the phone with an interviewer and then I walk into the building to meet them in person and they're like shocked that I'm Black. You know, so like all of these things are political um, and it's a unique experience to black people. But yeah, so it's it's exhausting to have to think about that all the time. And I think that that's part of the politicization of um, being black. So. If I could just add to Re Rebecca's last point, I think also too, like since the like beginning of this country, uh, black people have been fighting for uh, the rest of this country to uh, acknowledge 
our human dignity and um, that we're not second class citizens, that we deserve to be um, active participants in all aspects of society. I think that people think that that all of our movements are political when they're like really human rights campaigns. So I think that also goes to it. It's just like, that's what it means to be born in this country and that being a political act is like, it just means like it, it is a lifelong fight to get, um, I guess other people to just recognize that we too are human beings that are deserving of the same rights and privileges that you are by virtue of the fact that you were born in this country. So. I have never thought about it as like this, this is politics when we talk about racism and when we talk about, um, you know, like I'm writing a paper on qualified immunity right now. And like, no one knows that like the qualified immunity doctrine was made up like in response to the civil rights movement. And it's like, I did not make this political. And the people who are, um, you know, calling for getting rid of a doctrine like that, which would be one step in the direction towards, you know, uh, reconciling the relationship between like law enforcement and communities of color. We didn't make that doctrine up. Like we didn't, um, you know, trust me, if, if people didn't have to participate in the civil rights movement, I think they would have preferred not to. So it's just like, I think it's interesting that people think that when you talk about racism or committing like your professional career, whatever it is that you're doing to the betterment of black, to the lives of black people, um, they think that that is inherently political, but it's like, no, it's not. This is actually like, this is a humanitarian issue. So, um, yeah. I think those points were all great. I'll take it from a different point of view, because I know we've been talking a lot about, I guess, when you're in a position um, of, of power, really how you're, how you act um, in conjunction with the people around you, so the people in the same space as you. But the the point of view I, I want to touch on is when you're in a power and how you react towards your own people that maybe aren't in that role of power. Um, and I think a big thing that I believe that may be a, a uh, contrary, but I believe that, you know, given that, um, and they're able to get into a role of leadership or a role of power or in a, in a seat where they can make a decision that could impact people that look like them. I think it's essential for those people um, to be able to lend a hand to help other people get into different roles. Um, because I know like one thing um, that is, am I cutting off by the way, Gabby? A little bit, but you're okay now. We can hear you fine. Okay, then I'll then I'll start over. Um, so, um, one point that I I want to make as a little different point of view is from the point of view of people that are in those positions of power, um, not really looking within the organization that they're in, but more so when it comes to um, how are you helping the folks behind you. And I think you know, it's maybe a contrary point of view, but I believe that when you're in that position, it's very important for you to kind of be a, not, a, not a role model, but more so give, like lend a hand back to help other people get in that position. Um, as I'm sure that is what kind of helped you or others helped you get in that role. Because what I what I do see is people who are, you know, whether it's politics, whether it's the, the corporate space, um, kind of when you get to a certain position, it's almost you forget about the other people. 
that look like you or kind of kind of as as um, we were mentioning earlier, you kind of get politicized and you you know you become a figurehead opposed to actually showing and you know I, I identifying who we are and what we can do in certain spaces. And I think there's a lot of people that are looking up to you kind of want to be in the space that you're in. And when they see you, you know, doing the things that you're doing is important. I, I think that you're really, I guess, showing your, your, your blackness through that opposed to just, you know, kind of being washed to whatever type of like organization that you're currently in. And I think one thing that a lot of other cultures do that we don't do is have a great systematic process of helping other people that look like them get into certain positions. I think that's really you know, a big part of why things are as they are today, because there's a lot of nepotism that goes around a lot of different like processes. And kind of when we are able um, to get into some into some of these spaces, we don't always do the same thing in terms of, you know, picking and kind of helping people and, and giving people a kind of that leg up or like opening that door for other people, which I think is very important that more of us need to do and get in those positions or else we won't be able to see those numbers that we really want to see. Because if you think about it, I think, more so than anybody else, it's our own responsibility to help people that look like us. And we do need help from other people, like other cultures to do that. But I think it has to start with us doing that ourselves before we can ask someone to do it for us. So I think it's important that, you know, when you're in that spot, you really like look back and you're able to kind of help people and, you know, give them other opportunities. Because um, again, that's, I think the only way is, you know, people like to help, help their own people. So I think that's important that we're able to do that and build that culture. Um, or else it's going to be difficult to kind of see the change we want to see in these positions of power that make a decision that actually impact all of us. Yeah, I definitely agree. I feel as though like a lot of times that like when someone makes it out, you know, like like makes it out, or, like it's put on to something or is doing well. I often see that like, I, I, at least in my experience, I feel like people are like less reluctant, reluctant. I want like that word to like give a handout or like help someone else like be pushed up. It's like, oh, I made it out. Like you should make it out too. Or like less accepting of that help than I feel like white, like other races and white people are, you know, like look at like, it's just kind of joking, but look at pop stars and stuff. Like every single person that like will do the same exact thing if one person like makes it out, you know, and it's like definitely way less common amongst black people. Yeah, I, I really like the points that you all are making about, um, you know, something that I thought when asking the question of defining blackness, honestly, what, what it came down to for me was what it means to be black is to just support other people being black and not as just the primary motivation, but for whatever it is they identify with and they identify with, um, you know, acting as or um, working as, you know, in whatever field that someone wishes to excel in to support another black person is the most inherently black thing that I can think of. Um, and not in a discriminatory way in the like, oh, we're always gonna, um, you know, prefer to uh, work with people just because they look like us, but because, you know, it is, unfortunately, it is special to be in positions of power and uh, positions of authority and be able to make the call of who we surround ourselves with 
So when we do find ourselves in those situations, we should take advantage of it because we don't know how many people have been in that position before. And if we're lucky enough to be um, in positions of power, which speaking to all you wonderful people today, I'm sure you're gonna go on to do great things and you're gonna have so much authority and power to support other black people in our communities in the future. Uh, you know, it just excites me. It excites me and it makes me super happy to know that like, not only do all of you know how to use your voices so well and speak so beautifully on your experiences and the experiences of your peers, but to know that like, you guys are gonna be out there and you're gonna allow for more education to happen in such a natural and um, a natural way for you all, just leading, leading the way with the best example. So I just want to say thank you all so much for coming and participating in this conversation. This was wonderful and super eye-opening to me. Um, I think that's gonna end our conversation for today. So thank you all so much again for coming and I hope you enjoy the rest of your month. Um, that'll be it for Word on the Street from OML. Thanks.